Welcome to the Game Plan Podcast with Judah Newby and Brian Perkins, breaking down all things Seahawks. Snap to Wilson looking downfield, screens it out right side, it's tipped up in the air, intercepted, intercepted by Micah Hyde, circle running 25-20, down he goes, near the 19-yard line. Well, this was a great night for the Packers. Uh, they played great football tonight. Um, they couldn't have looked better on offense, and, and to take the ball away from us like that, uh, that's a great job by them. We like to play better, obviously. We, we, can't, we can't turn the ball over. Um, and I, I, put the, I put that on me. I, that game was on me. And uh, the great thing is we play next week. We play Thursday. And that, that's the thing we look forward to. Well, that was forgettable, to say the least, as the Seahawks go to Lambeau and suffer their worst loss in the uh, Russell Wilson era, 38-10. to uh, First time since 2011 that they've... Lost by more than 10 points, and finally we can stop talking about that streak because, like Pete Carroll says post-game, it's not exactly a streak that you're proud of when you're talking about the losses that you have um, and their uh, their margin of defeat. But regardless, the Seahawks play in a lot of close games, and this was not one of them. Brian Perkins joins me. I'm Judah Newby on the Game Plan Podcast on uh, sim50thegame.com. Kind of a surpriser, Perkins, uh, but this one got away from the Seahawks in a hurry. It did. It was quick, and it was swift, and it was very reminiscent of the playoff game last year in Carolina to me, mm-hmm. where it just, it, I mean, not quite the same because there wasn't a pick six early, but in the blink of an eye, it, it felt like that game was over. Um, it, it was a very strange game, and I have to say, emotionally, I don't think I've felt that way about a Seahawks game since, like, 2009. Oh, wow. Like, I think it's been that long. Like, when when Pete Carroll came in, you know, in 2010, and they had some bad games. I know they I was at that game by the way. Everyone was referencing when they got slaughtered by the Giants 41 to 7. It was brutal. Charlie Whitehurst was starting at quarterback cuz of the injury situation and all those things. But watching that game with Russell Wilson at quarterback as we know, you always have hope that they're going to win they're going to come back and win that game. Even against Tampa Bay, they played so terribly. You still had to watch the entire game, right? Because you felt like Russell Wilson was going to come back. He has done it so many times in his career. Yeah, he's given you reason to to have that hope. He's yes. done it against Green Bay in yes. the biggest game. <laughs> yes, that, he that, has. That's what it reminded me of. Five yeah. interceptions against Green Bay. I mean, where yeah. have we heard that before? Yeah. You're down 19-7 to with three minutes left in the game, and you don't have the ball, and you win the NFC title. Like, he's done that before. It was just like... Uh, the, the the irony was so poignant here, and the Packers <laughs> the Packers exercised a ton of demons. Is it oversimplifying it, Perkins, to say that this was an absolute desperate Packers team playing at home in December against the Seattle team that needed the win but didn't have to have the win, playing their first full game since the Earl Thomas fractured tibia? Or are there some sustainable problems here that that the Seahawks need to address in the final three games of the season? Keep in mind, this is the final non-divisional game of the regular season. From here on out, it's all divisional foes. Home to the Rams, home to the Cardinals, road to the Niners, which uh, there's something to be said for that. A lot of familiarity down the stretch. Yeah, but you should be. I mean, you look at those games on paper (laughs) with the Rams throw out paper, burn it because it doesn't matter. But you should win those three games. Like you, you look at it. And the Seahawks have done close to what, minus the way, the way they lost, I think, is why people are so shocked, right? Yeah. Like, if they would have lost by five points to the Packers, everyone goes, ah, bummer, you know, but 
because Russell Wilson played poorly and the receivers couldn't catch a damn football, and John Ryan had like an eight-yard punt in the first half, and like they were losing in every phase of the game, and the defense, you know, you, no pass rush. Like, so many issues. I think that people want to press the panic button, but you and I talked about this about a month ago. We were like, look, we see two losses here in the home stretch. We see that as a, a real possibility. And to your credit, you were the first on, on that wagon. I honestly, I thought they were going to win this game. I thought they were going to win out after, after the Carolina game. I did not see this coming at all, but to your credit, even before Tampa, you said there were a couple more losses on the schedule, and lo and behold, that's what we have. I mean, I think that that there is something to be said about the fact that the Packers really needed to win this game. Sure. And the C- and I, you know, I picked the Packers to win because I think that their sense of desperation had to be greater. They're at home. There were so many factors at play here. Right. And I think that with uh, Russell Wilson didn't play well. Receivers were dropping footballs, and the ball did not bounce Seattle's way at all. And that's not making an excuse. It's just the way the game went. All of a sudden, you're looking at a deficit that was insurmountable. So it's hard to, like, I, you're watching the game and you're pissed off because you're like, how is this happening right now? But at the same time, I, I don't, like, I'm not that concerned, if that makes sense. I, I've, I've always thought that the Seahawks are a probable Super Bowl contender. I've never thought they were the dominant team, and I still feel that way now. Now, the only kind of wrench in that, argument or in that feeling I should say because I would tend to feel the same way as you for I'll start with this I, I've got a two-part question I want to pose here but first part of that is uh what are you more concerned now after the Packers loss than you were after the Bucks loss or which which because we came out of the Tampa loss saying hey we honestly we're not, we're not that concerned that's an outlier you know offenses we have this kind of a stinker now you put up, this is your next road game after that Tampa game. <laughs> you put up another offensive stinker, and that's, you know, caps across the board stinker. And you've only scored really one offensive touchdown in your last four or five road games, and that was at the loss in New Orleans. So at yeah. what point are you now struggling on the road as an offensive team? Like, I'm more concerned now after this Green Bay game than I was after that Tampa game. Would you agree? I agree. I agree. I just think that while the Seahawks are a very flawed team in certain ways, like every other team in the NFC is as well. So it's hard for me. It's not like there's one team that is so dominant right now that I feel like Seattle doesn't have a chance. You know what I'm saying? Right. I mean, we just saw Dallas lose on Sunday night. I know, and they looked bad in yeah. that loss. So I, that's why I look at it and I go, you know, they played poorly. I thought they would lose that game anyway. But it, the, the fact that the offense has been so inconsistent is startling. And, and Russell Wilson has not been playing well at all. The, over the past three weeks, um, I'll get you those stats in just a second, but check this out. This is Pro Football Focus, of course. And I, I take a lot of what they say with a grain of salt, but they have some really good hard statistics. Mm-hmm. For example, Russell Wilson was only pressured on 53% of his throws in that game, which is 13% lower than the NFL average. When he wasn't pressured, he completed 13 of 23 passes for 159 yards, a touchdown, and three picks with a 52-9 QBR. Yeah. So we can't blame the offensive line here. There was a lot of things at play. The overthrow of Jimmy Graham, the cold weather probably had an impact as well. But, uh, you know, you look at Russell Wilson's stats over the last three games, Judah, and it hasn't been great. And I know they got the big win over um, Carolina. O- over Carolina yeah. But even in that game, I mean, Russell played well. I I, I still feel like it wasn't an, outs- like an outstanding well, game. And you look at his stats, if you want me to say them, of course, over the last three days. And uh, it's tough because you and I like Russell so much, and he's played so well through his career. 65 for 108, 60% completion, eh. 668 yards, 6.9 yards per average. Not good. Two touchdowns, eight picks. And this is where the Pete Prisco, <laughs> Pete Prisco is going to take that 
throw it up next to a Sam Bradford stat line this year. Ten years from now, and, Pete Prisco is going to use that stat about Russell Wilson. And it's sad because, I mean, <laughs> stats are stats, and we all know who the better quarterback is, and yet, you know, th- those stats will, uh, will, will compare themselves to one another. Um, Got to talk about Russ. This was the worst game I've ever seen him play. Yeah. As a Seattle quarterback. And you mentioned it. It wasn't that he was getting he was getting pressured enough. Like if you were comparing the two pass rushes, my word, I would not have thought that Green Bay's pass rush would be significantly better than Seattle's. Yeah. And it was. It kicked Seattle's pass rush butt by far. Um, but the overthrow to Baldwin on the first drive, mm. that was bad. The overthrow to Graham on the second drive. That one was worse. Was worse. <laughs> And uh, he had an overthrow on a little swing route. I mean, layups he was missing. And I put this out on Twitter. I mean, he was just missing oh, the yeah, I layups. Saw that. Yeah. Layups. Yeah. And uh, I, you don't normally see him do that. I mean, every once in a while he'll float a pass here and there. But that often over the course of, of a game. And then, you know, to make matters worse, the passes that were on target were getting dropped and half of the drops led to picks. And it was just like football is such a game of momentum. We often forget that there's 22 moving parts on every single play. Which is a lot to uh, to try to predict, you know, th- their movements. And we just saw. Uh, I watched Bills Raiders from a week ago. Bills were up twenty four to nine in that game midway through the third quarter. Yeah, fifteen minutes of real time later, not even not even game time. Fifteen minutes of real time later, they were down by two scores. Yeah, and that's how this game felt too. Like it was close there for a while. We saw the Seahawks first drive so promising, picking up a couple third and shorts, looking good. You're like, hey, this is gonna be a high scoring shootout. And then thirty minutes of real time later, you're like, this sucks. This game's over. But it's bizarre because you look at Seattle's offensive statistics outside of the six effing turnovers that they had. Thanks, Alex Collins. Um, I'm just kidding. Wow. <laughs> you know you're feeling bad when you're ragging on Collins after this game. Um, I, I, I actually, I'm still battling a cold. I'm still sick, I think, because I watched that game. I think that's yeah. literally my body would not heal. No, but but you look at the statistics. Seahawks were like 50% on third down, which was something you brought up. They they Yard-wise, time of possession, they were pretty much even with Green Bay. But you have five interceptions. Right, I mean, it's yeah. just amazing because you you talked about it last week. Like, can they take care of business on third down? They did that pretty well. Well, here's I completely throw stats out the window when the game is out of hand because those are meaningless stats to me. But they completed per- third downs early in that game. Early and, in the game. And they, they were did, able to run the football But not well on as, defense, which was the second component yeah. of that. And you're going up against the second best third down conversion offense, and we saw why Green Bay's so good on third down conversions. One, their pass pro was outstanding and Seattle's pass rush was that was the worst I've seen Seattle's pass rush before. It was Russell Wilson's worst game. It was Averill and Bennett's worst game. Yeah. Incredibly bad. Yeah. They didn't even touch Rodgers. I don't know if they got a sack they in did. this game. They got one sack they late in the game. They ultimately one I late. I think late in the third quarter. God. Yeah. That and was, it was good because they you know, were... But before this game, they hadn't gotten a sack in two straight. It was going to be the first time in franchise history they had, yeah. they had not gotten a sack. The pass rush was not good. And that's why I saw your tweet about how this is reminiscent of the of the 2014 game. And I don't agree. Because at least the defense was able to play relatively well in that 2014 game. Like, yeah. the Packers scored 21 yeah, points had eclipsed their total uh, through, like, three and a half quarters by the end of the first quarter or the end of the first half. Uh, offensively is what I should have specified because it was uh, the the amount of throws that were going off receivers' hands. Yeah. And the pick that was in the end zone was just like – or the pick that I think uh, Randall had in the end zone was just like the one that Sam Shields had in the end zone. The one off Doug Baldwin's helmet was just like one of the three that went off the hands of curse. Yeah. 
It was Russell Wilson's game that was that certainly reminded me of NFC title twenty. Uh, it is funny you say that because I was rewatching. I rewatched the uh, the sound effects from that game on oh, Saturday. Nice. Yeah, I watched. I watched it on Friday. Not, I watched the condensed game. I didn't watch the oh, sound okay. effects, but yeah, yeah, I watched the it's sound funny. effects, and I I watched the fourth quarter in overtime, and <laughs> I had actually spaced that that the the pick in the fourth quarter was. I mean, so badly dropped by Kurt. Like the ball, like was like right, you know, like he it bounced off his yeah. bicep or whatever. And I and as we were watching that game, you're right. I was like, gosh, another game like this. It's crazy. But the the, the bad part was, and it reminded me of the Tampa game from this perspective. Sure. Late in the first half, they're driving down the field. They're down twenty one to three. They get the ball to start the second half. They've played like ass for two and a half, for a quarter and a half for almost two quarters. But they're driving down the field, and you're going, my God, if they get a score here. They're down 11 with the ball to start the second half. They could make this a one-score game with 10 minutes left in the third quarter, and all of a sudden this is a football game again. And a great play. I can't remember who it was that made the it pick was on Randall. that. It was Randall. It was one of his two picks. Yeah. Yeah. A, a great play by him, um, and he just I mean, really baited Wilson into throwing that football. I thought I thought Baldwin was wide open until... Uh, well, that's that's why I felt so bad. I, I, I say this is like it was a cathartic loss. That play because it was like it, it was a definition of the game. It's windows open, window is open, window is open. You can come back into this game, and just like that, Randall snatches it away. Yeah. And it's a great play by his part. Is, is it, it is? And the, the it, ball wasn't thrown great. It was underthrown. But it's oh, a really tough angle trying yeah. to you know move. To he your was left running and, and throw yeah, that ball. Yeah. But, but regardless, it was like you're inches away from a great play. I mean, we saw it in New England that pretty much that same pass and same catch from Baldwin for a touchdown. And yeah. And uh, and it just like that, it gets snatched away from you. And I think that's when I thought right before the half, that window's shut, and most likely this game is shut too. Yeah, it, and, and I and that wasn't to be. I have to say, I know that the, the score ended up being way out of hand, but I felt that way. I didn't feel the game was over in the Tampa game, but it was something relatively similar. Now, obviously, the, the interception was different. He thought Richardson yeah. was going to come back on the route, but they were driving down the field. They haven't done d- all game, and they. They freaking throw an interception, you know, yeah. and it's just like, sorry about that. Uh, yeah, let's just bleep that bad boy out. But anyway, it I just don't. It's just frustrating because you felt like there were opportunities to be had and things didn't go well. I just feel like people shouldn't jump off the cliff here. It's one game that to throw five interceptions is like a fluky ass thing. Like that is not something he's never done it in his career. It doesn't happen he very did it often against Green Bay in the title game. Four. Oh, was it four? Was it, four? it was four, not five. Okay. It's hard to remember. Nine in his last two against the Packers. Anyway, um, so I, I, I just I feel like we should calm down a little bit. I get that the inconsistencies is a big issue, and the offense is going to have to play better because the defense is going to have issues without Earl Thomas. Though everyone's blaming his injury, like that had a huge impact, and I just don't. I didn't see it watching it, but maybe I'm. I don't know. Maybe we'll watch the film and it'll be different. No, you but. know what? Uh, Stephen Terrell was filling in for Earl Thomas, not Jeremy Lane. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. Lane I've, had a horrible game. There's no way around it. Horrible game. And Terrell did not play that poorly. He he had no place where he was isolated in coverage really to to work on. Lane got schooled. He did. And on that, well, and to, to Lane's defense a little bit, on that first touchdown, how many seconds did Aaron Rodgers have to throw that ball? Yeah. If ridiculous. you give him six seconds to throw the football, He's going to make you pay. 
Yeah, and Lane's tackling though is another thing. He missed that two tackles in, in open yeah, space. Yeah, I know tough. it was bad, but and he, I'm not saying he had a good game and that touchdown was bad, but at the same time, if you have no pass rush, Aaron Rodgers is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. He's going to pick you apart, even with a bum hammy and ultimately a bum yeah. calf. I mean, will, he was walking uh, around like he was shot. He will kill you. I'm surprised he could play. He was limping so badly. Think a little uh, theatrics or no? I don't know. Bloody that sock. Guy I don't gets know. So much. Uh, <laughs> Wow. That guy gets so much harm from, like, even his own market. And he's won him a Super Bowl, and he's done all these great things for him. You know, there's high standards in Green Bay. That game, to me, definitely felt like an FU moment to pretty much everybody. To everybody who's, who's criticized him in Green Bay, outside of Green Bay, it's an FU to the Seahawks for all the nightmares that he suffered under them. Um and he was just like, I'm, I'm Aaron Rodgers. This, this game is mine. So he's strutting around a little bit, and you know, it's, it's hard to blame him for that. But now for Green Bay, they've won three in a row, and all of a sudden you're looking at them as if they could make a serious run at maybe a wild card. You know, now that's a couple other teams have been losing, and especially maybe a run at the NFC North. Although here is the second part of my question. Now we're going back to it now. <laughs> the two seed is now, you know, not in your control. You, you, yeah. you've. If you went out, you still need the Lions to lose one. Which they should, looking which they, at their schedule. Which they should. They've got... If uh, the Lions win out, they deserve the two seed. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Like Dallas, they've got the Giants on the road, and then Dallas on the road in consecutive yeah. weeks, week 15 and 16, and then, then the, the Packers, Packers, then and the the Packers at home. <laughs> but, but at the very least, I, I wouldn't be overly concerned about this loss for Seattle from, from a standpoint of how far they can go in the playoffs, unless it means that they get a wild card. Because, to me, the team hasn't shown enough to where they can win three playoff games in a row to get the Super Bowl. Well, not only that, but if they get the two seed... Two games when you're asking about winning a home game and then going to Dallas? Yeah, I could see. Yeah. But three games to get to the Super Bowl? Yeah. I I would not Especially, especially, I mean, right now, honestly, and look, I feel like they're going to win out, but if they lose another game, the three seed's in danger. So they could end up basically... Almost being guaranteed two road games to get to the Super Bowl, yep. you know, I, and hosting one. And with the way that they played on the road this year, and the way they played on grass for some reason, um, you you really don't want to be in a situation like that. I agree with you. I feel like if you get the two seed and you're hosting, I, you know, you have to give Seahawks a good chance to win that game, regardless of who they're playing, because it's in Seattle. Right. And then maybe a road, but maybe even not. You don't even know. It just depends on what happens. But a road game to Dallas, to me. And and this is not speaking to the Cowboys' talent. It's about the situation and where they're playing. You feel like the Seahawks would give themselves a good opportunity to win that game just based on the facilities that they'd be playing in. All right. Well, that sets up Thursday Night Football in Seattle against the Rams who just got squatted around by Atlanta. I have a question for you about this. Is the way that Seattle lost and how badly they got pounded, is it a good thing that it's a Thursday night game from the standpoint of how quickly they have to hit the reset button mentally and move on from that game. Uh, do you think that that's a positive for them? Yep, I do. Because, um, look, even if they if they have been beaten up physically a little bit in this game, I think still mentally they're probably moving on as fast as possible. You don't want to uh, you don't want to wait. If this game was on the road in LA, I would be a little bit a uh, bit more skeptical. But I've always liked teams coming off tough losses going into a, a, a short Thursday because you, you get to recycle it, move on, especially teams that are coming back home to play in that game. I liked Carolina when they were in the midst of doing that before hosting the Saints on Thursday Night Football. They won that game. I liked Atlanta when they were in the midst of doing that going on the road to Tampa Bay. They won that game by two and a half scores. So I would trust Seattle to be in a similar position here. And for as bullish as I am on the matchup, 
Um, you know, we're still talking about the LA Rams, which give the Seahawks fits. They do, but the, but the Seahawks as well, since 2012 are 17 and four following a loss for whatever yep. it's worth. Um, I know it's the Rams, and, and like it's like pulling teeth watching them, but you saw Todd Gurley yesterday saying that they were playing like a middle school football team. They are uh, have completely imploded as a team this year. I feel like Seattle should be able to win this game. They're open as a 13-and-a-half-point favorite. Oh, my Lord. So, uh, I mean, that just tells you the opinion on the Rams right now. I feel like this is a good chance for Seattle to get right, and they're going to need to, obviously. Um, but they win the division, right, if they win this game? If they win, uh, yeah, I do believe that they win the division, regardless of what Arizona does next week. And then, you know, you don't get a f- you get the Thursday game, so I guess you get over a week to prepare. But keep yeah, in 10 mind, days. Keep in mind, well, technically nine days because it's a Saturday, Saturday Christmas Eve That's right. um, afternoon game with the Arizona Cardinals. And then you visit Chip and the Niners on uh, New Year's Day the following Sunday. They should they should win out. They should finish the season eleven four and one. Yeah, and for all the talk, and I know it's so hard when you're watching a game because it's so easy to find the negatives, especially in a game like that, and go, God, this team sucks because they look so bad. They're what eight four and one. Yeah, like that's pretty damn good. Like, yeah, that's a good football team, folks. It's good. It's a good team. I, I think that the expectation every year is Super Bowl, and I get that, and and I still think that should be the expectation, but. Like I think we just we're we're all panicking a little bit. Well, Let's calm down. It's such a week to week league, right? I mean, now you see Dallas. Do they have a fatal flaw now? Is Dak ready to lead that team in the playoffs? Then you see a Giants team that you're like, wow, all of a sudden they're nine and five. They've beaten the best team in football twice. They don't have JPP, and yet they still held them to seven points. Eli sucks, and they still win. Now are the Giants kind of kind of making a run? Or the Packers, obviously, or Detroit. You know, I, I mean, every single week there's a new narrative to, to discuss, and you never know what's going to come in the AFC with Baltimore playing New England tonight. Well, let me ask you this. What is it? Because you know me, I'm a positive guy. What <laughs> is the posi- What's the biggest positive you took from that game? You want to go first? Uh, the biggest positive that I took from that game, it's going to sound weird, but it's, it's going to be uh, Russell Wilson taking ownership. For oh, okay. Just and from he did a, immediately, from a mental right mental after the aspect. game. He's like, "That's on me." And Pete having no issues by saying the quarterback played bad, and he, Pete will do that from time to time. But I read Pete's book last week or last uh, month on uh, the trip to New England and back, and saying even you know the bonds of a team and the bonds of the coach to the player and the coach to the quarterback are always strong. But the reason why they're so strong is because of the accountability factor. Like he will yeah. call out his assistant coaches when he sees an issue. Yeah. Assistant coaches will keep one another accountable. The head coach must keep the quarterback accountable. And part of that whole submissive attitude, that humble attitude, um, what John Schneider likes to call ego is the enemy is, is what helps you kind of process defeat and then get better from it. It's when you come into a defeat like this trying to cast blame on and Cam even said this post game as well. You remember the when Fox shot to the sideline and saw Cam riling up the defense after they gave up consecutive touchdowns. Um, Robert Klemko of MMQB asked as Chancellor what he said and he's basically like, guys, adversity is a good thing. That's the thing. These games are good for us. Yeah. Because yeah. they show the great teams respond to adversity in great ways. Yeah. So this is opportunity for us to show how great we are by how we respond. So that's why I think it's good because Thursday's short week gives them an opportunity to show how they respond. If they struggle again against the Rams, I, I, I would uh, I yeah. would I'd be inclined to say that there's issues. But but to me, it's a more mentality thing, an ownership thing, a leadership thing. That's the positive side I take away from this, rather than. 
casting the blame at, at one one part or the other, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does completely. I, what, what about you? Anything on the field that, yes, that runs out to you? Yes, and it's Thomas Rawls. Yeah. I thought that he played pretty well, and I, I two, this is a two-parter. I thought Rawls played well, and I honestly thought the offensive line played pretty well for the most part. Like, there were some issues, and there's going to be because they're all a bunch of young dudes, but I thought that for the most part, you saw a pretty solid performance there, and I, they had to abandon the run, and Rawls ended up just getting, you know, sat down because what's the point of risking an injury, another injury to the damn running back position? But I thought that the opportunities that he had, he was getting five, six, seven yard chunks. Frequently, so that he was good. That was a positive for me. I like him. And the 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 one thing was, I almost wish Russell would have kept the ball a few times on some of those read options because he ran the ball a couple times. But um, defenses were still keying in on Rawls. I felt like more so than respecting Russell Wilson's running the football. And I don't know what that what the deal is there, but that's a positive that I took out from it. Is like the run game looks pretty good right now, and they abandoned it abandoned uh, they abandoned it they, pretty they, early. They but have to. When that's, you're down that many points, you have to. That's honestly, if if you get down by two scores in the first half, you know your game plan is pretty much out the window because yeah. you're not exactly expecting to do that. You don't have a plan for being down two scores before halftime. You don't. So yeah. you kind of adjust on the fly. You try to make it a one score game by halftime, and and it, and it got away from them. The whole game flow got away from them. That's kind of what worries me. Since the Philly game, we haven't seen a game really go perfectly to script. Even the Carolina game was just fluky almost like I I thought they would blow out Carolina but so many explosive plays hid I mean you couldn't show anything you, the first right. play of the game you got a, a weird interception turnover that you couldn't convert into a touchdown it led to a field goal I don't know I the Philadelphia game and the New England game were the most satisfying wins of the season yeah to that point and since then it's like horrible yeah. road loss at Tampa blowout win versus Carolina but it was a horrible spot for the Panthers to be with yeah. the whole Newton stuff and no Keekly and everything. Like eight guys coming back they, healthy. Yeah, they yeah. just shot the bed, and then the loss in Green Bay, blowout loss in Green Bay. So now, what do we make of this team? Hey, look, final three games of the season in December, two of them in a row come at home. There's no better, against division opponents, no better way to kind of see really, truly what this team is, is going to be made of going into the playoffs than now. And I don't care that there's familiarity. I don't care that the Rams have the Seahawks number. You need to win these games and win them well. And by that, I mean you need to play well according to your game plan, just like you said, because you're playing three teams that are bad at football. They're not good football teams right now. The Rams are awful. The Cardinals are bad. And the 49ers are, like, I don't even know what the word is to describe them. After losing to the Jets the way they did yesterday, I mean, they're an awful football team. I expect a good fight from Arizona. Because I agree because there's a rivalry there. It's always a good there. fight. It's Arians, and that's they're more talented than their record shows. But certainly. I still expect them to be able to run their offense the way they want to. I expect them to control and dominate that game. Now I'm not saying they're going to win by 20, but I do expect them to to have their way with all three of those teams, and they should. Yeah, they shouldn't be a come from behind in the fourth quarter situation. No, they need to dictate game flow. in yes. all three of these. Yes, I think that's what we both yes. agree on. Because yeah. if they're uh, look, you want to go in the postseason rolling, blah blah blah. But for the Seahawks right now, uh, they're going to make the playoffs. They have to. They have to get into a rhythm, and right now they just aren't. They they really aren't. But there's a good chance that uh, when we meet in 2017 after the Niner game. Hopefully we're talking about a team that's still in rhythm and has figured enough out to get that two seed. But as of now, they don't have uh, control of it. Should so we we'll pick see. the Monday night game since we didn't uh, uh, pick 
pick any other games? <laughs> no, we, we didn't re- pick any games this week. I totally forgot about that. Uh, I forgot. I, I, I remembered it like 11 o'clock I did, yesterday I morning. Did, I did well against the spread this week. Um, thanks to Washington and Minnesota for those wacky covers. Um, but... You know, I would. T- I I am taking the Ravens plus seven. I'll tell you that, but I don't know if they can get a win tonight. Yeah, I agree. Should be a close one. Should be fun to watch. All right, we'll be back. What do you want? Wednesday? Let's try to get back together Wednesday to preview this. Uh, Wednesday, Rams, I like it. Rams Thursday night. Three pods in one week. Uh maybe. I mean, we could. Yeah, that would because we'd three be doing, pods. Be doing a recap. I'll yeah, tell you why what. not? Why not? This is the week to do it. Three pod week. That's why they call it a tripod. Oh. 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 I gotta go. Uh, all our jokes will be back <laughs> on Wednesday. This is the Game Plan Podcast. Be sure to visit 750thegame.com backslash game plan to find all up-to-date episodes.